we thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you for your divine presence. Thank you, Lord. I've shared it before and I share it again that whatever state you are found in, you will be sealed in. A lot of people don't realize what what if you're um, and, and please forgive me, I'm not trying to throw condemnation today. But what what have you died in your last act? What have you died in your last act? You didn't even get to say, I repent. I, you just died in your last act. I'm, I, I'm Forgive me. This is not to be mean, harsh, or stir any type of emotion other than to bring inspection. And how many of us can, can say that we ne- we... We, we committed or we said or we did something. And we never really got to repent. I mean, I'm saying really repent. You know, re- most repentance is, is, is met with tears. Real repentance is met with tears. Worldly sorrow is not met with tears. So you get, you get what's called, we call crocodile tears. That's the tears you get when, sorry that I got caught, not that I did it. Right. Oh, man, because most of the time people wouldn't say anything unless they got caught. Well, conviction of the Holy Spirit moves us to remorse in such a way as I can't live right. I can't breathe right. I can't think right until I get this thing up off of me. Because, you you know, ultimately that thing is hindering, number one, your relationship with God. And it's hindering relationship with people. Amen. Oh, my. We're going to go somewhere today. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Someone say it with me. Pastor's going to take us somewhere today. Hallelujah. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the word. We will receive your might and your power and your dominion in the earth. And we expect to see shifting, changing and rearranging happening in the body of Christ. We come to uh, believe in it, and we come to expect it. We come to believe that we are to go from healing to healing, even as we are to go from faith to faith, strength to strength, glory to glory, and grace to grace. I pray in this house today, take us into a next level of relationship and our love level with you, and I pray our love level to increase with one another. May we fulfill the commandment on which hangs all the law and the prophets, that we would love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and that we would fulfill loving our neighbor. Give us the ability today and remove the stones that hinder us from walking out the God kind of life in the name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, hallelujah. Thank you for coming out today and being in the presence of the Lord with us. For those of you online, God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. Boy, do I have a something that really, every, it seems like every time I go in the Word, I'm like, is this just for me or is it really for everybody else? Because there's times where it's just I feel like the Word of God is just picking away at my heart when I study and I'm reading. Anybody else ever feel that? And you're like, oh, my goodness. Or you you read. And you're like, wait a minute, I've read this before. How come I never saw it like this? And, you know, the word is like a diamond, depending on which way the light shines and the refraction of the light. You know, you 
you could take a diamond and it'll shine in different facets, right? Different ways. And that's how the word is. There's times when he wants to deal with us in a specific area and you'll read the scripture and the Holy Spirit will bring an impression upon you. And then you'll read that same scripture a couple of years and realize there's another application or another level. And so today my prayer is that God will take us into a, another level, maybe even into a passage of scripture that many of us have probably, if you've been in the church for a while, have heard preached. And so I always say, if you've heard it, please pray for me. And then don't think you've heard it. Ask God to help you hear it with new ears. Amen. Amen. And if you already know it, well, just intercede and pray for those that have not heard it and got the revelation yet. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, today we're going to start off and we're going to start off and we're going to bring ourselves to John chapter 21. And what we're going to talk about is the fact that Jesus is resurrected. Jesus has already gone through the death, the burial. Now he's in resurrection. And there are some some things that when we look through the three and a half years, his interaction with the apostles, his interaction with the Pharisees and with the city of Jerusalem and the Samaritans, and he had different teachings. He had different things that he demonstrated in regards to the power of God. But we're, we're in this place where Jesus had been separated for three days from the apostles. And a whole lot happened in three days. There is a whole lot, and I won't get into all the things that Jesus did in three days. And But there's a lot that happened. There's more that happened in those three days, days than most even the church realizes. Those were three very powerful days that were that set reformation and set relationship and reconciliation and all kinds of things in motion when he died on the cross and he gave up his spirit took the keys to hell and death. Amen. Let's go ahead to John chapter 21. And let's just begin to read. A lot of us are going to be familiar with this. And then what we'll do is we'll backtrack to see how did we get to this moment? How does Jesus and Peter get to this moment where Jesus has to talk to Peter in a certain kind of way? All right. Hallelujah. We're going to start in verse one. So after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise, he showed himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter said unto them, I go fishing. That's what a lot of men said. I'm going to go fishing. They say unto him, we also will go with you. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. 
And when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Now, I want you all to, to realize that there's moments you don't realize God is working in your life. You don't plainly see it as God. All right. We need to come to learn to recognize that. Bible says we can entertain angels unaware. Amen. So we don't even know at times when God does a, 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 an interjection into what is our daily routine and we're moving forward, we're doing things and God is now doing a divine setup. Someone say that word with me, divine setup. Hallelujah. Then Jesus said unto them, children, have you any meat? They answered him, no. Now, this was kind of comical because me and another prophet friend of mine, we always talk about Jesus always knows the answer before you say it. He doesn't need you to tell him like it's a big surprise when he, you say uh, no. He wasn't, oh, you don't have any. He already knew you didn't have meat. So when he asks you a question, it is with purpose of preparation to bring you to what it is he really wants to get you to. Y'all hear what I'm saying today? Hallelujah. You don't know you're being set up, but you're being set up. Hallelujah. They answered him, no. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, It is the Lord. An epiphany moment. We obey. Now, what would have happened if they didn't listen to this? They did not know it was Jesus. And they obeyed. A voice. When they saw what happened, they realized who it was was giving them instruction. See, there's times we don't we don't realize instruction is coming, and because we don't recognize the source, we just feel we can flip flippantly cast it off. We don't realize God is working to bring instructions, working to bring direction. He's working to bring correction. He's working. Hallelujah. And so <laughs> when Simon Peter heard that, it was the Lord. He girded his fisher coat onto him, for he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from the land. But as it were, 200 cubits dragging the net with fishes. As soon as then as they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid thereon and bread. I'm going to tell you, that probably had to have been the best filet of fish sandwich in all the universe. I mean, I don't know about you. I don't imagine the Lord of Lords making me a sandwich. You know what I mean? We kind of got this mindset that we serve the Lord and, you know, and, and here he is resurrected. Hallelujah. And he about to make him a fish sandwich. Come on. Hallelujah. I mean, <laughs> hallelujah. And Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of great fish, 153. For all there was so many, yet was not the net broken. 
And Jesus said unto them, come and dine. Come and dine. Now, number one, you didn't know it was him. Number two, you didn't know he was getting ready to make you a meal. Hallelujah. And now he gives you an instruction. You got all this fish. Can you imagine the jubilee in this moment? There's joy. There's a synergy of joy that is now beginning to emerge and come forth in this moment of time. He's risen. It's him. That's his voice. Look at all the fish we got. Oh, my goodness. He made me a fish. He's making fish sandwiches. He's telling us, come and eat. Now, listen, to the, the language of the Lord is he desires them to eat. Come and what? Dine. He wants us to be able to see him, hear him, and come to this place where once again, the whole purpose of why Jesus died for us, for restoration of the fellowship. Come on, somebody. I, I'd have to venture to say that after three days in hell, in the belly of the earth, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so shall the Son of Man be in the belly of the earth. All right, now I want you all to notice something. It says three days and three nights, not, not a day and a half. Now, now we're going to come up on our favorite season at Passover, and I'm going to have to explain it to everybody how Jesus had to literally be three whole days and three whole nights in the belly of the earth. All right, because some folks want to cut the time short. No, that's not how it works. He said three days and three nights. All right. Hallelujah. And he fulfills it. Great joy. Expectation is arising. They are coming to the shore. He says, come and dine. And none of the disciples did ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then comes and takes the bread and gives them the fishes likewise. And this is now the third time that Jesus showed himself. Now, isn't it amazing, though? It's like they didn't know it was him. They didn't recognize him. Remember, on the road of Emmaus, until they broke bread, their eyes weren't open. There's marvelous things that happen with when we take communion. There's marvelous things that happen when we begin to fellowship, when we begin to eat, when we slow down to dine. Amen? I'm not talking about junk food drive through okay? I'm not. I'm talking about where you literally really set apart time to sit, listen, talk, communicate, revelate, reflect. We're too busy. So he stops them. They're getting ready to dine. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was risen from the dead. Now, we all know that amazing things happen on the third time, on the third day. God works in threes, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We look in the scripture, God works in certain numbers and patterns, amen? A word is established by what? Two and three witnesses. So there's things that happen when we look in scripture with certain numbers. So when they had dined, Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, you love me more than these. Now, this is an important question. And in the case, I didn't tell you the name of our message today. It is love, denial, and acceptance. Love, denial, and acceptance. 
See, something had to happen to reestablish Peter in his relationship with the Lord. We don't understand. We fall away. We fall short. We quit. We sin. We make mistakes. Whatever it might be, we don't realize that God has a desire to reaffirm and reestablish us. And if we don't understand the intentions of God, we won't appreciate the attention of God. Uh-oh, I'm, I need somebody to help me in this house today. Because if you don't understand God's intention, you'll get upset when he starts to pay you attention. Uh-oh, who, who, yeah. When God, when God begins to call your name again. When God begins to, to say, hey, how are you doing? It's, it's, it could be the simple thing. And, and, and you got irritated. You begin to use somebody to call and check on you. You got irritated. You didn't realize it was God calling you because God has an intention. And it, because he has an intention, he cannot just neglect us. He has to pay us attention. Uh oh, who am I talking to in online? I'm mean, I just talking to folks. Oh, hallelujah. How you doing today online? Glory to the Lamb. So when we begin to understand intention, I know, Lord, what your intentions are towards me. This is why God works to begin to increase our understanding of who he is calling us to be, who he is. Hallelujah. And once you begin to have a mind shift, then, you know, when I go to my doctor and my back is out of place, I don't want to experience the moment when he begins to crack my back. But I understand that I went to my doctor, because I needed an adjustment and I have to endure the momentary discomfort to get things back in place. Come on. Hallelujah. See, some of us in the body of Christ won't allow God to momentarily make us uncomfortable when he's trying to bring us to the place of permanent comfort. So we'll 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 just keep patty caking and and we'll we'll lightly esteem. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll make excuses for our pain. We'll make excuses for our disobedience. We'll make excuses for our, why we fall and fail and falter and fumble. And God's like, I have an intention for you and I'm coming and I'm paying you attention now. This is a moment for Peter where Peter has to give face. Mm -hmm. Every single one of us will have a moment where God calls us to give face, a full face, plainly, intelligently, tangibly, with an understanding. He's not going to speak to you in a par parable or a proverb. He's going to speak to you very plainly and talk to you to get you into a new place. Uh-oh, uh-oh. He asked him, Peter, do you, do you love me more than all of these? Now, he's surrounded by the apostles, right? And disciples. And Peter says, Yeah, Lord, you know that I love you. He says unto them, Feed my lambs. Now, some of us, if we don't dig deep, we'll just skim over the surface. But this is not a light thing that he's actually telling him. Number one, the word love here is agapeo. It's agape. He said, Peter, do you do you unconditionally love me 
more than you unconditionally love all these other ones here. Do you, what kind of love do you have? You know, I love you. You know, you know that uh, I'm here for you. you. He says, okay, if you love me, then here's what you need to do. You need to feed them. Now, he uses a term here that's important because he says, do you love me? Which is, do you unconditionally care about me? Is, is, is mine and yours relationship, does it have strings attached? Do you love me without strings? See, a lot of people love what God can do, but not who he is. So he says, listen, this is what I want you to do then. I want you to feed them. Now, this word feed means I want you to tend to them and allow them to graze where the green grass is. Because what are they? They're lambs. They're little babies. Now, I want you all to caption this. The first time he says, do you agape me? He says, yes, I do. You love, do you love me more than you love all of them? Yes, I do. I'm calling you to tend to them. They're little babies. They're little lambs. They're still little lambs. He's referencing to those apostles and disciples that are right there in the midst. Wow. He's beginning to put Peter back into alignment for his assignment. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Here we go. Let's go on. So he said, feed my lambs. That's the small young lambs, little ones. He says to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? He said unto him, yes, Lord, thou knowest that I love you. He said unto him, feed my sheep. Well, this time it's, it's a little different. This time he says, do you phileo me? Phileo, do you, do you love me? And w- when we look at phileo, that friendship love, in the element of philia and phileo originate from a Greek term philos. It's a it's a meaning which means beloved or dear, a friend, someone dearly loved as in prized. In a personal and intimate way, trusted, confident, held dear in a close bond of personal affection. So he says. Do you love me this way? He says, yes. He goes, okay, now I'm going to give you an opportunity that you actually love me this way. Feed my sheep. Now, this is transitional because he's not just speaking to grazing. He's telling Peter in a different sense, I don't want you just to feed them. I want you, and when you look at the terminology, he says, I want you to become their shepherd. He's talking a language that Peter would have understood. You hear what I'm saying? We, we read this because we don't speak Hebrew. We don't, we don't know the culture. We don't, know, we don't really grasp but all the parables and the things that are being said. If we were growing and raised in the culture, we would grasp them like, oh, this is that. That's that. But because we don't understand it, we're not raised. We have a different culture. We don't understand what is being said in the language. 
So we have to learn the culture. You understand. And here we have to understand the culture of the Jewish people was the culture of the kingdom. And we understand we don't understand why the Church of America has an issue because we want to still have American culture and call it church. But in reality, God says you need to take on my culture. And then the church represents my kingdom. Okay, I'm gonna leave that alone today. Hallelujah. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to get us in. I'm trying to get us in. I, I'm only this is this is the appetizer. Okay. Hallelujah. So in the element of sheep, now it means a flock. And what he's saying is, is he says, feed them. It's a totally different Greek word, and it means tend as a shepherd. Rule. Literally, it means rule. Now, why is this important? Now, I'm going to take us into a backdrop because a lot of times we read this, but we don't know the backstory. You got story, backstory. That's why if you watch a video online on social media and you see the story and you don't do investigation to understand the backstory, then you read it with a wrong narrative a lot of times. So you should understand backstory. Amen. Brings things into a context. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. So. Rule. I'm bringing you in. He's, he's reconfirming Peter. This is what he's doing. And remember, Peter had denied him, right? All right. So we're going to get into a couple things. He said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved. Now, I want you all, <laughs> and, you know, how many of us have ever had someone ask us the same question multiple times? He literally was made uneasy. Now, this is what it means. He was grieved. He was made uneasy because the Lord got to keep talking to you and asking you the same question. It should begin to provoke you or move you or cause something in you because God is literally trying to make you uncomfortable because you got comfortable. He needs you to move. You're getting mad. Why God keep saying the same thing? Well, I have to keep telling my kids the same thing because they're not doing it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, go ahead and praise the Lord right there. Hallelujah. Because <laughs> he's not doing it. He's getting upset. He's thinking, I'm answering your question. Don't you know? You're the Lord. You know everything. The problem isn't trying to convince the Lord. The problem was trying to reconvince Peter so Peter could rest assured. Peter, you do love me. He had to get him to move in his heart because he had moved in a denial. And he had to get Peter to come to a place where he could make a confession out of his mouth so he could once again be okay with possessing the fact, I do love you. See, a lot of times we, we fail, we fall, we quit on God, we backslide, we do something. And then we try to make a return to God. And inside you're like, I know I love you. But something inside of you says, no, you don't. No, you really don't love God. Look at you. 
Matter of fact, you just disqualified all the way around. And God has a way of talking to us to reposition our heart in relationship with him so that you begin to be repositioned, realigned, and make the confession he needs you to make because he needs the earth to bear witness with heaven. He needs you and I to come to a place where the confession out of your mouth allows God to begin to reignite the passion, reignite the position, realign us into who you were meant to be and what you're called to do. He was grieved. I think somewhere after the third time, he, like, I think I'm really trying to see where you're going with this question, Jesus. How many of us have ever been there? I think I think I understand now where you're really trying to take me. Hallelujah. And he tells him. He was grieved because he said to him the third time. Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. Now, see, the first time he said, Agape, I want you to bring my little babies into green pastures. But that's not enough, Peter. I need you to realize that they're not just little babies. They are a sheepfold that you must rule. This is the language that's hidden inside of the text. So you're not, it's not good enough just you, for you to feed. You must lead. This is what I called you to. Peter, I called you to be a leader, not just a feeder. See, feeding people, that can be easy. Leading people, Lord have mercy. My God help me. Sometimes I don't even know where to go. So Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And it's like, as a leader, I'm like, I don't know where I'm going to know. And everybody else goes, well, neither do we. You know, Hallelujah. Not easy. You don't. You're not called to lead in a certain level of capacity. Don't want it. I, I learned that years ago. I said I'll be number two or number three. That's easier. I'll mow the grass. That was easy. I get out there on the mower. You know, that was okay. I could talk to the Lord. The grass never once complained to me. Why are you cutting me? Ah! You come up and circumcise the church. What are you doing, Pastor? Ah, leaving my life alone. Ah. They start talking like Schmiegel. You know, holding holding on to stuff. My precious, I'm gonna hold on. <laughs> I'll see y'all watch that movie. Come on, my precious, right? You start fighting, hold on to stuff. All right, Hallelujah, glory to the Lamb. We all right? We riding good today? Glory, Hallelujah, glory to the Lamb. <laughs> Woo! So let's look at the backstory now. See, when you see that story, and if we don't go ahead and read the rest, then we don't have an understanding. Why did why did Jesus have to really take extra time? Notice, notice he didn't take in at least here that we have written, or the writer didn't seem to think it important to say, well, Jesus also talked with the others. It doesn't say that. 
it highlights Peter that he had to have a very extra special conversation. Yeah. Yeah, you, you got extra attention. <laughs> He's special. Hallelujah. Woo! So let's look at this. The backstory. In Matthew chapter 26, well, let's read. Here's what it says. Let's go start in verse 31. Then Jesus said unto them, all of you shall be offended because of me. All of you. This night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. Now notice the language. The last thing that he says is you'll be, he says, you'll be offended, right? All right. What is, that means I'm a, I'm a block of stumbling. I'm a, you're going to stumble over me. And the sheep will scatter. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. He lets them know already. This is all pre-planned, guys. This is what's going to happen. This is what, when it's going to happen. This, this is all of what's going to take place. They cannot accept what Jesus is saying. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of you, yet will I never be, wait a minute, offended. He said, I'll never. He, he prided himself as better, more committed, and more in love with Jesus than all the rest. On the flip side, when you get to John 21, now he's got a, He's got to, Peter's got to make good on his word. See, I'm here to tell you, you, we say things and then you wonder why God comes to you and questions you based on what you said. He says, now on John 21, we're on the other side of the resurrection, Peter. Do you really love me more than all of these? Based upon what you said before, you love me more than all my other disciples. You love me more than all of them. You got to make good on your confession. Mm. God is going to call your card. We shall be judged by every idle word that we speak. Don't think that when you said to the Lord something that he forgot what you said. He don't forget what you said. We forget what we said. And then we get, we get confused and bewildered when all of a sudden things are happening in a certain kind of way. And he's like, I need to get your attention. And I need to remind you of my intention towards you. I say, well, mm hmm. So he says, Jesus said, unto, Verily I say unto thee, that this night, before the rooster crow, thou shalt deny me. How many times? Three times. He said, I love you more than the rest. I'll never leave you. So look. It was befitting that with three denials, he had to make three confessions. See, you, 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 you don't realize when you do something enough, you begin to create a stronghold. You create a habit, right? He went into a mode of denial. He, 
Hey, you were with him. No, 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 that wasn't me. Right? He did not. We don't realize whatever you put in motion, you did it one time, but then you did it two times, and then you did it three times. You are now putting things into your psyche, all right, into your heart, and it will become habitual. See, you don't understand. Whatever your stronghold was, God will work you over time to bring you on the other side. So if you had a denial, you have to, he'll bring you to a place now of confession, of admittance. You all hear what I'm saying? You wonder, why are you making me confess this? Why are you making me say that? Look at your stronghold. Why am I working you overtime? Because I need to uproot something out of your heart. Peter had to get his denial and betrayal up out of his heart. He had to face himself. After he faced Jesus, Jesus becomes like a mirror and you face yourself. This is why a lot of people don't like to face the Lord. Don't like because it makes you take inspection. Mm -hmm. God will always make you look at yourself. He will always cause you to take an account of you. All righty. Are we doing all right? So three times, and Peter said unto him, though I should die with you, yet will I not deny you. Likewise also said all the disciples. Then they all chimed in. Why? Because Peter, the leader, whatever Peter say. Ah, so all the others, who was it that stood up in the upper room and said, this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. See, they all knew it was Peter, James, and John that were to become the, the leaders, that Jesus had spent more time with them personally. Then they all confessed. Well, Peter made a confession. I, wow. But we all know the story. They all denied him. So it's befitting that the one who First admitted, I'll never leave you, was the first. Hmm. That now because you're the leader, Peter. You're the first one that needs restoration. Now, I need you. I need you all, all to catch that. You're the first one who needs restoration. Because I've still called you. As my leader. He had to reassure Peter, reaffirm Peter, recommission Peter. Well, listen to this. So he denied him. Peter had 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 to face himself. Amen. When we look in the scripture, and I want you all to hear this. And how many of us understand vision, right? We hear the word vision means mental sight, right? So there's something in vision that God is projecting he said i want this finished so we read the things like malachi write the vision make it plain he he reads it may run with it amen and so god wants us to be able to take and run with vision but i'm here to say something and this is going to challenge all of us how many of you have a call on your life those of you online you can answer at home say i know i have a call on my life hallelujah type in the chat i do amen 
if you have a have a call on your life, vision, people never look like the vision when you first start. See, you got a vision, and in your head, it's like, oh, I'm going to build a house. A house never looks like a house when you start. It looks like a royal mess. People never look like the vision. People didn't look like Jesus, even though in the mind of God, he called to transform those that he called into the image of the son of God. People never look like the vision when you first start. And so in order for vision to come to pass, the only way you can have vision come to pass is for vision to happen. It must be the people. I, I want you all to hear that. People must become the vision. What are you saying? In order for the commission of the Lord to have continuation, a continuation of mission, it means that those that Jesus discipled had to embody the vision. Now, the reason why most of the time vision is lost is because we try to fulfill vision in purpose but not vision in character. So the only way you can embody the word of God is if you have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So now you're wondering why God is working me over. Why am I, why am I being worked over? Because you got a vision, but you don't have character. Peter was still lacking, even though God had, uh, Jesus had told him, I'm gonna, Peter, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. Uh, I'm going to give you authority. Uh-oh. I'm going to give you this power. In Matthew 10, he gave him power. But in the ultimate goal that Jesus had was to give them a commissioning. He said, you shall disciple all nations. They made it through the process to come to the end in Matthew 28, where they were now allowed to become disciplers of nations. Your character has been proved. Your faithfulness has been proved. All of these things have been tried. You've been found true. Ooh. Can we say the same? Can we say that? Oh, my. Hallelujah. Jesus, I love you, Lord. Listen to this. When God meets us, he speaks to our expected end. Someone say expected end. For I know what the thoughts that I have toward you, right? To do what? Someone help me. To do what? Mm-hmm. To give you what kind of end? And expect it. It means if God said it, God expects it. Hallelujah. The problem is we don't have the kind of faith to believe what God has said to expect it to manifest. All right. <laughs> when we look in the scripture in John chapter one. We look at Jesus when he first is calling the apostles. He is beginning to round up his posse. Hallelujah. His crew. However you want to call it. And listen to what happened. When they begin to find the Messiah. Now I've heard, I've, I've often said this and I mean this. Pay attention to the first words a prophet speaks to you when you first meet them. As a matter of fact, go back and visit them. If they be a real prophet of God, 
the encounter and the initiation is, is, is a heaven's initiative. It's a kingdom initiative. It's not birthed out of flesh. It's not birthed out of ambition. It's not birthed out of just natural desire. It is birthed by the spirit out of the mind and the heart of God. Amen. That's why some of us that are spirit filled and spirit led, we just can't connect everywhere because there's no spirit initiative. Oh, yeah. Y'all know those program church, right? OK, y'all like those, right? You like that? No, no, y'all got quiet. Don't get quiet. Come on, give it around. Come on, you can make some noise. You can make some noise. Y'all so quiet, people are gonna think there's nobody here today. Come on. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we look at John chapter one, verse 41. He says, first, it was Andrew, <clears throat> Simon Peter's brother, and he, he first find his own brother, Simon, and said unto him, we have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. Now, I, I want you to notice the language. It says being interpreted, interpreted. That means in order for me to thoroughly and fully explain who it is that we found, I'm thoroughly translating it for you. We found the anointed one. Now, and he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, you are Simon. Wait, 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 was there a prior introduction? Did Andrew say, hey, I'm going to go get my brother? Was this a word of knowledge? And he's just saying, I already know your name. Did he just mess him up by telling him, I already know what birth name you had. I know, I know, I know by what way you were brought into the world, Simon. You're the son of Jonah. Then he says something very powerful. You shall be called Cephas, which is by interpretation of stone, Petros. How important was John 21? It was very important because the very first word, the very first word out of the mouth of the master the Messiah to Peter was, you're going to have a name change that's going to identify your nature and your character. And up to that point, when Jesus is on the water, it would appear that Peter wasn't a rock. When you think of a rock, a rock is unmovable. My question is this, how easy is it to get you out of your faith? How easy is it to get us out of believing? How easy is it to get us out of obedience? How easy is it to get us out of the spirit and into our flesh? He says, I'm going to need to talk to you again to remind you that I'm trying to give you a name better than the name you were born with. Uh-oh. I'm trying to make you unmovable. He had told him with the revelation, and he said, and upon this rock. Now, we understand that that rock is the revelation that Jesus is the Christ. But Peter was given the keys of the kingdom and called to build in succession after, after Christ ascended to continue the work. Now, I'm here to challenge us today. 
Jesus has been ascended for a really long time. But he sent his spirit. Mm -hmm. So that we could be empowered in the continuation. The problem in the modern church. We're too offended with Jesus. Cancel culture is going to come after me or someone is going to come after me or the devil is going to come after me. Something is going to happen if I take a full stand for Jesus. And the Lord says, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here to, to challenge you in this moment. That it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter that you denied me. It doesn't matter. I must reaffirm you because in the end, you've got to become what I spoke about you when I began. He who has begun a work is what? To do what? To complete it, to finish it, to perfect it. He began a work when he said, you are Simon, son of Jonah, but your name shall be Cephas. The end product must match what I initially spoke about you. That's the power of the prophetic. The prophetic is to move you forward, is to compel you forward. You look up one definition, look it up. You can get your, your strongs or whatever. Look up the word sheep. It says that which walks forward. I, I need you all. The context of a sheep is something that is led by a shepherd and has continual forward motion. As a matter of fact, if I remember, I don't think sheep are able to walk backwards. Y'all, y'all, y'all don't, y'all don't. But yet the church, we say terms like two steps forward, three steps back. If you're the Lord and you're following the cloud by day and the fire by night, you're supposed to be in a forward motion. And that forward motion in the spirit means I cannot go backwards. I cannot go backwards. The spirit compels me. Jesus in Jesus intention for your life is not negated or disqualified initially just because you betrayed him. So I give you a new name, an identifiable name that will denote the kind of character I need you to have to fulfill the assignment and call I've given you to be a leader to my people. Hallelujah. Okay, can we just take a moment and bless the Lord because I'm really feeling this. I'm going to tell you, there were times where I thought God was done with me. I don't know about you, but I thought God was done with me. I thought I was disqualified. I thought I was too rebellious, too disobedient. 
but God would send people to speak into my life. Even at times where it seemed like it was hard to hear God. Come on. Because God loves us so much. He wants you and I to stay on course. Hallelujah. Come on, bless. Just bless him. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. His presence is waiting in the house of the Lord today. He's doing, he's doing a course correction. And that course correction is in our attitude on how we see ourselves. He's doing a surgery on us when he's talking to us. To get us back in place. Listen to this. Peter Peter wasn't going to escape. Even though Peter might have let himself off the hook a little bit. You know, but his love. You see, he was the first one out of the boat. I betrayed you and I denied you. But he was still the first one out of the boat. Uh, Peter was always the first one out of the boat. Lord, is that you? Bid me to come. Come. First one out of the boat. He's speaking from the shoreline. They recognize it's the Lord. The first one out of the boat. When Jesus was calling the apostles and he was calling them off of their jobs, Peter was the first one out of the boat. I don't know who in this house or online needs to hear this, but God is trying to call you up out of some places of comfort and stability that you reassured yourself naturally in so that you can begin to fulfill your spiritual destiny. God said, I need someone to be the first one to get out of the boat. When it came time for Jesus to preach, Jesus got in the boat. He got in Peter's boat. He got into Peter's business. Some of us don't want God to get in our business. He got in the boat. He said, put it out a little bit. And he preached from the boat to the people on the shore. Uh-oh. Hallelujah. Y'all all right? Glory. Listen to this. Woo. I think this will be our last scripture, I think. Unless the Lord called for an encore. Hallelujah. And we begin to hear the angels sing. Hallelujah. All right, listen to this. So we already know <laughs> that previously Peter had said, no, Lord, I won't leave you. I'm not, I'm not going to forsake you. Everybody else will, but not me. I'm your man. Right? Come on. Church, we fool ourselves. We fool ourselves. We we need to we we need to learn some humility. The prophet said that the heart is desperately wicked. Yeah, you have no idea what's on the inside of your heart until the light shines, the right situation. Come on, you don't know. My kids love me as long as I keep giving them sugar. I'm the best dad in all the world. Mm -hmm. Pick up your shoes. Pick up your socks. 
How about you take them off when you're coming from the outside, right? Ugh. How about you eat some vegetables? <laughs> you're mean. We're the same way. He told Peter, he said, feed the little flocks. Take them to green grazing places. Take them to the best. Take them to the choice location that's going to feed them. We, we, we don't realize sometimes God is trying to lead us to choice places to get the best diet. The, I'm here to say, let's say that together, the best diet. And that's why, that's why sometimes, you know, you, 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 you don't know what you're going to get at some tables. I, I know some folks, I will not eat your food. I'm I just sorry. I've seen your mannerisms in your behaviors. I've seen your nose picking and your toe picking. I am not eating your food. All right. I'm just not doing it. And if I can see your behavior naturally, I just question what you do spiritually. So, you know, I. All right, let's get back to the text. Hallelujah. So, Jesus says this to Peter. See, see, Jesus' words, his word, the word of God does not return. Okay. So, we have to understand when Jesus is speaking, it needs to be accomplished. It needs a place to land. This is what he said. And the Lord said to Simon, said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. In Luke chapter 22, hallelujah, and 31. But I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And this is what he says. And when you are converted wait what do you, wait a minute wait a minute what are you saying what are you saying jesus he had already told him i know you're going to betray me in this passage he tells him you're going to need to be converted again strengthen the brethren he said when you return what do you mean when you return to the love and the obedience of God, this is what you're going to do. You're going to strengthen the brethren. He had already given a word prior. Now on the other side of the cross, he's admonishing him to fulfill what's been spoken pertaining him. You got to look at what God said to you before your trial. You got to see what God said to you in the trial. And you need to find out what God is saying to you on the other side of the trial. Sometimes God doesn't speak to us when we're in the trial. He gives you a beginning word and an ending word. And he looks to see how you respond in the midst of your fire. So he spoke word to him. Let him know you're going to betray me. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. But he sowed a word of hope. He said, look, but I prayed for you. And my Bible tells me Jesus is at the right hand of the father forever making intercession for us. And you need to recognize that before you even went into your trial, 
before you went into your test, before you went into your temptation, before you went into your denial, and before you went into your betrayal, Jesus prayed for you. And the question is now, when you come out on the other side of unfaithfulness or betrayal, can you remember that he called you? Can you remember that he selected you? Can you remember that he anointed you? Can you remember and can you come to the end where once you're done facing Jesus, you can face yourself? Can you accept that you are accepted? My Bible says in Ephesians chapter one, I am accepted in the beloved. Can you and I accept that we're accepted? Lay aside every excuse, lay aside every sin, lay aside every weight. And can you accept that you're accepted? Peter got out of that boat and Jesus was on the shore making them filet of fish sandwiches. And when he got there, Jesus didn't go, hey, you denied me. You forsook me. Get off the shore. I ain't got no food for you. That's not what he said. There are times and seasons that circumstances and situations move our soul to action that causes a separation in our heart desire. You may do something you really don't want to do. And God knows your heart, my heart, on. How many of us could really say in a situation like the midnight tribunal and the fake court that Jesus went through, the mock trial, they didn't even take him through the proper channels and tribunal, right? That we would have stood there with him. I can't. Only God knows what you've been through. And only God knows why you make some of the decisions and choices you make, whether they're emotionally based, need based, want based, chemically based, whatever it is. There's a re- spiritually induced. God knows why you and I do what we do. But we need to rest assured on the other side that when He asks you, you love me and you get recommitted in that love all that he had for you to do was not disqualified as a matter of fact when you look in the scripture he told him feed my sheep strengthen the brethren in revelation chapter 3 and verse 2 it talks about to strengthen that which is perishing See, God God doesn't wish any to perish, but all to come to what? Everlasting 
life. Amen. And what a better example to help restore others than one who has betrayed the Lord himself and said, he took me back. He didn't cast me out. He didn't throw me away. What kind of love is that? Just steadfastly look at being loved that no matter what choice you had made. You've got to come back to the confession when he asks you, do you love me? And let that love reignite. Return to your first love. Amen. Did I give you all enough scripture today? First John, I think there's one more. I, I, I lie sometimes by accident. Lord, forgive me. Hallelujah. Was this good? Word. Word. Hallelujah. By this we know, 1 John 5 and 2, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. He was telling the apostle, love my little flock. Become the shepherd and ruler I called you to be. And watch over the sheepfold. Watch over the flocks. I'm getting ready to check out. I'm leaving you in charge. Till I come back. Terry, till I come. Woo! Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. Glory to the Lamb of God. Father, we thank you today. And we bless you. We magnify your great and glorious name. Is anybody else grateful for Jesus today? We thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for pouring out on us. Thank you for pouring out in us. And we pray today, Father, that your word, let it be medicine. Let it be healing. Let it be balm to those here and online. Father, for those that have betrayed the Lord, denied the Lord, backslidden. Father, I pray today. That you would pour out, hallelujah, pour out abundantly, far above and beyond anything that we could comprehend. I pray restoration and healing. If you need a healing in your heart, just lift up your hand. I'm not going to lay hands on you. If you know there's a place that you're having a hard time facing yourself, hallelujah, God wants to touch that, that part of you, amen. <laughs> God wants to touch that, that wounded part where you say, I, I have a hard time looking at myself in the mirror. He wants to pour into it so that you could stand without shame, guilt, or condemnation. And when you step forward into who God called you to be and what God called you to do, you'll be blameless. You won't, you won't try to step forward and Wondering if everybody knows your business. Hallelujah. You won't worry about people knowing your business when you let God step into it. So, Father, I pray 
Help us face ourselves. The words we've said, the deeds we've done that may not have pleased you. And pour out your spirit. I pray your Holy Spirit. I pray juicy fruit. I pray Jesus fruit. I pray abundant, abountiful fruit in this house and the lives of your people. It says that there is no law. The penalty of law will not be invoked on those that walk in the spirit. And we will fulfill the law. And Father, I pray, help us love you. Is there anybody here you can feel your love levels just felt like it's not where it needs to be? Let him love you. And when you let him love you, you'll be able to have love to give back. We can't love God in our own strength. We need his spirit. We need his touch. We need his affirmation. So, Father, I pray today in this house and those online, I pray your love. I pray a bountiful, abundant, overflowing love that will pour out, pour in, and pour through us. Thank you for healing. Thank you for deliverance. Father, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless your people. They're coming in. They're going. Blessed in the city. Blessed in the field. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. His presence is rich today. For those of you that are online, I pray for those of you that are watching at home. You just lift up your hand and believe God. You don't need me to be there. Jesus cast devils out of a girl that was seven miles away. And I pray right now the power of the Holy Spirit come upon you. I pray where anger and bitterness and cold love has tried to settle in. Where disobedience has tried to dis just create a distance between us and God. I, I pray reconciliation. I pray where hard hearts, stony hearts have been at work. We pray hearts of flesh, pliable hearts, hearts that have the letter, have the law of God written on the word is written on the tablet of our heart that we might do it. Bless your people today, Father, like only you can bless them. I decree shalom, peace, the God kind of rest to your minds, to your heart, to your soul, and to your spirit. And I stand in the authority of the Lord. I pray where vexing and tormenting spirits have worked on your lives, that they will cease and desist. And that you may know the rest of God. Enter into his rest and cease from your own will. In the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for your people. Bless them now. In the name of the Lord and all of God's people say, Amen, Amen, Hallelujah, Amen. Is that good? I see you all soaking. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Before I forget, we have Wednesday Bible study for those that are able to be here at 7 p.m. Glory to the Lamb. Just as a reminder, on Sunday mornings, we have 10 a.m. prayer. I am encouraging every member of Kingdom Reign, everyone that says this is your house, to make one Sunday a month at 10 a.m. 
I'm not asking exuberantly above and beyond. But Jesus said, and the word says, that my house shall be a house of prayer. And one of the things that refortifies a church is not when leaders pray, but when every part learns how to pray. And we fortify each other and we build up in our most holy faith through prayer. Amen. A house that doesn't pray is a weak house. The family doesn't pray, they're a weak family. I hate to say that. But prayer is the glue with faith that holds things together. We got other components, worship and word. So that's 10 a.m. Amen. Uh, the last Friday of the month, the 25th, we will be here in our last Friday gathering that we do. Uh, we encourage those that are part of the house and those online in the community to come and be a part of that. Pray, worship, fellowship together. Amen. And then we have Passover. Glory to God. How many of us are preaching Passover? Amen. That's what it's called. It ain't called Easter. All right. Get used to that. We don't call it Easter here. We call it Passover. Because that's when death passed over. Amen. And that will be April 15th through the 17th that weekend. We are going to have a night of worship. We have some uh, with Dennis C. that's going to come out. And lead in worship. And then. On Saturday, I'm looking to do a worship workshop. The reinstitution of worship. Why is worship essential for the life of the believer? And why is it essential that a house find their particular sound in worship? Listen, I want to say this. out. If I write my wife a love letter, or my, let's say it like this, since church is considered feminine, right? My wife writes me a love letter. This is my dearest husband. She writes everything she appreciates about me and, and all of that. And somehow another woman finds that like, oh, and just gives it to her husband. Mm. See the difference? Sometimes worship songs are great, but sometimes those worship songs were love letters that were written out of the heart out of that psalmist or worshiper. And there's an expression in worship that comes out of us that there's words that we will say that nobody else, but it's personal. Amen. We could take, and I'm not saying take a worship song from other places and use them to worship God is wrong. But also we are defined our divine expression on how to communicate to God to say we love him. Is that good? I mean, ladies, how would you feel if, if, if you got a, 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 this, what you thought was a handcrafted letter from your husband and you find out somebody else wrote it to their wife? Huh. Like, what? I thought you... I, I know y'all catching it. All right, all right. Y'all got the drift. Hallelujah. And do us a favor. Facebook and, and social media is working to shut down the word and things. Would you all share periodically? Just share Kingdom Reign. Share a post. Share something. Share. You know, after all these years, you know, there's people that still don't know we're here. They don't know we're here. Like, how come I've never heard of you? And we're not trying to make ourselves known. I, I, but when you find good bread, amen, you tell others. You find living waters, you tell others. 
And if you feel inspired by the Holy Spirit and you know that you're getting a rich diet, amen, please share. Because sheep, right? Tell other sheep. Go get make sheep. We get the fish. We throw the net. We, amen? Can we do that? Amen? Hallelujah. I appreciate you all. For those of you that are tuned in today, God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. Until next week, Pastor Jesse, you can visit us. 5234 Southern Boulevard in Boardman, Ohio. 44512. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.